one drink a day of this attractively packaged poison, one seemingly innocent drink a day is enough to compromise your sleep, which then compromises your ability to focus, which compromises your ability to make good strategic business decisions, which compromises your ability to make money, which compromises your ability to be calm and peaceful about your business or about your life and about your family, and so forth and so forth and so forth. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 992. We're going to be talking about your drinking habits and how they may be costing you millions of dollars. And for this episode, I brought along James Swanwick. Welcome to the call. Thank you, James. Lovely to be here. I speak to you regularly. Uh, You're part of my community, which I'm truly grateful for. I've watched your business flourish. And as an outside observer to this industry, because I sort of stayed up front, I don't really have a major dog in this fight of alcohol, not alcohol. But I'm really curious as an outsider, I've watched this industry grow. It seems to be exploding in growth and it's become a more popular thing, people talking about not drinking. Is that just my impression or is this happening in real life for you? It's happening in real life. Alcohol's reputation is crumbling. And especially amongst entrepreneurs like us, because people are realizing that when you drink, you lose clarity, you lose focus, you start or continue procrastinating, you don't sleep as well. And so you've said this many times, James, you know, like to have a successful business or a successful business is a reflection of your own personal development, isn't it? It's kind of like your physical appearance or your outward appearance is a reflection of your of the inside of your thoughts and your feelings. And so if someone's business is maybe struggling or they're finding business challenging, I just love digging in and finding out why. And a lot of times it's not necessarily because they don't have the best funnel or the best paid ads or the best hook. A lot of the times it's because the human being who's running the business has flaws like we all do, but those flaws are preventing him or her from excelling in their business. And alcohol can certainly be one of those contributing factors. I guess it's like when you see someone and they just, they look like disheveled, exhausted, run down, people with kids often, that could be one of the causes for people to lose sleep and not be full of energy. You actually say to them, oh gee, you you know, you look like you could do the rest and you know, they're not going to be performing at optimal levels. You know, they're just going to be getting by. And it seems to me that you've specialized in dealing with a community of business people who uh, it might not in their case kids it might be sometimes but more often than not you're finding that they tend to be drinking a lot and then i imagine you're going behind that and understanding why they're drinking a lot are there reasons why people drink a lot that if you address can cause a change in behavior yes stress and anxiety is a reason for drinking and then ironically folks start drinking to relieve them of the symptoms that only drinking is creating in the first place Wow, so you get like this negative loop? So they're drinking to relieve stress and anxiety that is caused from drinking. And so if you break the cycle, you snap out of it? Absolutely. Now, what causes stress and anxiety? That's a a number of things. Maybe our mummy loved us too much or not enough when we were a child. Maybe someone said something in the school playground that we made it mean something more significant than it actually meant. And we see life through that lens. You know, maybe people are a really passionate person because of something happened before they were seven or eight years old. Maybe someone is an irritable person because of something that happened before they were seven or eight years old. There's a lot of neuroscience, a lot of studies that show that our personalities 
are pretty much formed before the age of eight. And then that shows up in later life with stress and anxiety and irritability and frustration and having poor communication problems and candidly being entrepreneurial. Like there are people who are running their business because someone told them that they weren't good enough when they were a kid or because their families really struggled and didn't have enough money or because someone put them down and they wanted to prove them wrong. So why are people drinking? They're drinking to change their state, to feel something different. And it's usually not to feel the stress and anxiety and the irritation and the fogginess and the frustration and all those kind of things. But then what happens is that very attractively packaged poison, which is how I refer to alcohol, ends up keeping you in that negative loop that you just described. It's this vicious cycle. And it's just like pouring gasoline on a raging fire. It just makes the stress and anxiety and the frustration and the irritability and the procrastination go further. There's a lot in what you just said there. Right back, I want to start at the beginning of that. You said that for some people, their mummy loved them too much. That one's interesting to me. What does that cause? Yeah, I mean, it can cause all kinds of resentments later on in life because mummy loved you too much. Maybe you're too soft. Maybe you're too precious. Gotcha. You weren't exposed to hardship or challenges because you got cotton wool balled. That's right. There's a great book, one of my favorite books, called The Happiness Hypothesis by a New York University professor named Jonathan Haidt. And he said one of the keys to long-term happiness and fulfillment is to ensure that you experience some crisis in your life, some pain, some suffering. Like We need to have a level of pain and suffering in our life in order to fully appreciate the good and and the calm and the peace. But if we're coddled as a child or we're protected too much, then that can cause all kinds of problems later on in our adult life because we're possibly we're too sensitive to our staff saying things or to other people saying things or we're jealous or envious of other people because we haven't been able to effectively process challenging situations. That's such a good point. I was just reading a book on the plane called Not Fade Away and it's essentially about a billionaire who died of stomach cancer at about my age. So I was actually emotionally empathizing with his situation and you know, selfishly applying it to my own situation and using that lesson to see how am I going to modify, you know, how I develop the content in my life rather than just trying to reach a destination. But absolutely in his book, he's talking about hardship as a kid and it drove him to be the billionaire and probably caused him some of his illness, maybe. Who knows? I don't think they fully understand that yet. But this is really interesting. I've had guests before talking about children and how we form most of our idea of the world by the time we're about five or six. I've seen it with my own kids. I have five children, so I'm doing working experiments on this particular study. I do think this is really interesting that what you're saying is what we learn as a kid or what we're exposed to as a kid is pretty much going to translate into how we become as an adult unless we rewrite the software or change the script. And inevitably, if we grow up broke, it's it's interesting because a lot of the world champion sports people grew up in broken homes. Yes. A lot of the world champion surfers from Australia came from the working class area of Australia where they didn't really have a you know, full set of parents and stuff. So yes. fascinating how it manifests. But if it's lopsided or just too extreme in one way, then there might be a, a fatal flaw in the other way. And what I'm hearing is that there were some key words you said there that are particularly powerful. And I really want to highlight this. You said you refer to alcohol as poison. And you said something to the effect that it's a, attractively presented or uh, marketed. Attractively packaged poison. Attractively packaged poison. Yes. That is the punchline. 
because I work with you, because I've, I've been sort of assisting there on the side, watching your business grow, when I've been watching your content, your social media channel is amazing, by the way, which is under your personal name, right? I think you, there was one where you were showing a, a wall of liquor that is like beautifully lit and yeah, you know, it's like it's, it's on billboards. It was on racing cars. When I grew up, there was all these martini racing cars and you know, obviously beer sponsoring rugby and all this sort of stuff. It's everywhere. And I don't follow rugby. I just want to point that out <laughs> right now. <laughs> I don't mind Formula One, but it's in our face. Yeah. right? It is absolutely a marketing snow job. But when you break it down, I, I think I said to you in a call that alcohol really could be like poison and you said it is poison. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I've watched you, I've watched other people like Dr. Amen, et cetera. There doesn't seem to be any major or any upside to alcohol except for like uh, people like my dad's generation. They will say to you things like, oh, I've seen the research, one glass of red wine is good for you, right? Yeah. Uh, because there was probably some study showing that it relaxes you or whatever and, and uh, maybe it helps with your blood flow or whatever. Can you speak to that? Is there yes. any positive for alcohol? No, right. there's zero nutritional benefit. There's no positives to it. <laughs> you seem animate about that. Yeah, it's just nothing. Well, look, we live in the year 2023. Countless studies have come out to debunk the studies that you just referenced from the 1980s, yeah. which suggested that a drink a day was really good for your heart health. Those studies have been debunked by later studies, by most recent studies. To give you an example, World Health Organization says they recommend zero alcohol. Yeah for your health. The American Cancer Society says zero alcohol is what they recommend if you're wanting to reduce your chances of any type of cancer. There was a study that came out in April of 2022. They did a study of 35,000 British folks over the age of 50. Okay, so middle-aged, in, mostly in their 50s. And what they found is that one seemingly innocent glass of wine or a beer, like one standard drink per night, seven days a week, okay, mm-hmm. was enough to cause brain damage. It destroyed the gray and white cell matter in the brain, okay? So now, I would suggest that most people are drinking more than seven standard drinks per week. Right. Most people in this world. And when I say most people, I would say most socially acceptable drinkers. Because I grew up in the Australian culture. I was a socially acceptable drinker. I had a couple of drinks each night. Very consistently, I'd have a couple beer, have a couple, and it was really acceptable drinker. But I got to my mid thirties, and I woke up one day, and I looked in the mirror, and I just went, "Blah! Wow, you're just blah. You're six out of ten, and your energy, your focus, your sleep, your business is like whatever. It's like so so. It wasn't like I was rock bottom. It was just super mediocre and average. And I identified that the drinking was the catalyst for a whole host of let's say, less than optimal behaviors. And as soon as I stopped drinking and I learned to stay stopped, it opened up a cascade of other healthy habits, including focusing on my sleep and exercising. I learned how to surf recently in later years, which is really fun. (laughs) Uh, Making sure that I was aware of getting enough sunlight during the day. I did a meditation course. I joined some self-development, personal development programs. I joined business masterminds just like yours, James. And I got around a group of people, like-minded people. And none of that was happening when I was drinking. So just to come back to your original point, one drink a day of this attractively packaged poison, one seemingly innocent drink a day is enough to compromise your sleep, 
which then compromises your ability to focus, which compromises your ability to make good strategic business decisions, which compromises your ability to make money, which compromises your ability to be calm and peaceful about your business or about your life and about your family and so forth and so forth and so forth. So yes, or no rather is the answer to your question. There are no nutritional (laughs) benefits, any benefits at all to any amount of alcohol. Isn't that interesting? So it's so strongly socially indoctrinated. However, I've seen in the old suburb I lived in Manly, there is a non-alcoholic bottle shop, I think, and it's really booming. There was uh, an occasion where I I was um, having a meal with a couple of my sons and uh, one of their friends was managing the bar that we went to and I was drinking mineral water. And I asked the guy, do people order non-alcoholic drinks? He goes, yeah, look, the Heineken one's pretty popular now. Like a lot of these manufacturers are realizing that there's a demand for this. Mm. It's definitely, like it wouldn't have been a thing decades ago. It's just like, I remember when I grew up, there was near beers, but they were pretty much mocked. They were mocked. I remember them, yeah. And most young males were drinking as a badge of honor. Like the more they can drink, the better they are, right? And I, I found pretty much the reverse to be true. If I'm out and I notice people around me are starting to drink heavily and I'm not drinking, it's like I develop a superpower. I have more focus and relative to them, way better precision in my thoughts. And it's astounding, really. But in their world, they probably think they're having a great time or doing cool stuff. But how many times have heavy drinkers woken up the next morning and thought, oh, my God, did I really do that? And I can actually think back to when I was very young, like just allowed to drink, you know, like yeah. well, not even allowed probably in Australia, 17 or 18. I think some of the dumbest things I've ever done were under the influence of alcohol. And I imagine a lot of accidents are caused from it and a lot of reputational damage can be done from it. Throw in a bit of social media, you're in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, they did a study in Seattle, Washington about four years ago. And what they did was they postponed the start of school from, I think it was an 8.20 a.m. start and they moved it to 9.15, okay? So they gave kids, including those who were just about to graduate who had driver's licenses, right, an additional 50 minutes or so, let's call it almost an hour to prepare for the start of school. Teen car accidents dropped by 70%. Mm. Teen car accidents were taking place because these year 12 students who were driving at their license were tired and they weren't focusing and they were distracted and they crashed the car. And then they delayed the start of school by almost an hour and all of a sudden teen car accidents dropped. They looked at why these students were crashing the cars and a lot of it was to do with the fact that they were drinking some amount of alcohol, which was causing poor sleep and they were having to get up early go to school. The moment they gave them an extra hour, they got an extra hour of sleep. Massive, massive change. So it is fascinating. And what I'm more interested in now, because I'm approaching 50, I'm not really interested that much in teenagers getting drunk and doing stupid things, or even if 20-something is getting drunk, because I'm in my late 40s and I like to associate with people of a similar age. What I'm more interested in is the effect of just one or two drinks per night and how that compromises our quality of life. It's significant, I think. Um, From my experience, after my heavy drinking sort of 16, 17, 18 year phase, I was uh, in competitive sports. I used to sail every weekend. I raced in 18 foot skiffs, came second in the world titles actually. Wow. And I went to the gym four days a week. 
I just wasn't interested in drinking. So I really, as an adult, I haven't been a heavy drinker. I might have had a one or two big drinking sessions at a wedding or something, like a big bust out, uh, like every three or four or five years. But it'd be really rare. These days, I'd be happy with one drink, maybe once every three months. Like it's, wow. it's so insignificant. And so maybe, maybe it's part of why I feel like well-centered and get great sleep and business is good and life is good and I enjoy my surfing more. I'm a bit older than you too because I am already in my 50s. And I'm more interested in nutrition and health and performance and having a young kid to chase around and be active with and we swim every day and all of that. I can see the poison for what it is and I can see how if I were to have two drinks, I would wake up with a hangover. It would wipe me out for the next day. Yes. I'm so sensitive to food and drink. Like if I actually, if I would, and I don't do this, but if I drank an orange juice, I will feel a rush of energy and sugar and a burst of, I can feel it. I can even feel it in my eyeballs. Wow. It's just like it's an extra layer on my eyeball, just that sugar throbbing. That's why I, I don't spike my body like that. So like if I have sugar like that, it'll be with the fruit and the fiber. But I'm just saying when you take this stuff out of the system, you will notice a difference. And you, you're big on research. You've mentioned research a few times just in our chat. And I recently told my audience about your research study that you're doing because I was genuinely hopeful that if someone in my audience is affected by alcohol and can't handle it well or is drinking too much and maybe not even aware of it, that it would be a fulcrum for them to make a change. Do you want to talk about what you've been doing with that? Because I thought it was really interesting. Thank you, James. Yeah. The University of Washington and the University of Florida are conducting a joint scientific study on our 90-day stop drinking process. It's our flagship program that we've named Project 90. I've been running it in some shape or form since 2015. And we've been claiming over the years that we have a 90% plus success rate of getting our clients to at least 90 consecutive days alcohol-free. And the University of Washington contacted us and they, they have two business departments actually in those universities. And they wanted to study the results of not drinking for 90 days on workplace outcomes. So what we've done is we've put together 163 people, mostly Americans, many Australians, some Brits and one gentleman from Singapore. And they're currently, as we're recording this, almost a month into that 90-day process. And the universities are sending the study participants two surveys a week at the moment. And they're asking them a series of questions like, how do you feel? How much clarity do you have? How is that work project coming along? What effects has not drinking had on your business? What effects has not drinking had on your career or your profession? And so forth and so forth. And hopefully, I'm confident of this, but hopefully at the end of 90 days when they track the data, they're going to see that the participants have generated clarity, focus, energy, probably made more money in many cases, lost some weight, slept better, feel better, have an overall more enjoyable and pleasant experience of life and feel terrific. I should say as well, they're also doing a um, surveys of 60 participants who have not yet started getting our coaching. So there was a weight group of 60 people who basically are just drinking the way they ordinarily drink and still answering survey questions. And so there is the, hopefully at the end of it, the scientists or the professors will be able to look at these two groups and go, oh, look what happens when 
a group of people stop drinking and look what happens when the group of people are still drinking. So yeah, fingers crossed it comes out and it ends later on in 2023 and hopefully it'll get published in the Harvard Business Review or the Journal of Applied Psychology. And, and I used to be a journalist and a public relations company owner back in the day. So if, if or when the results are favorable, I'm just going to put on my media PR hat and just go mainstream media crazy with the results. You could be my first billionaire student. That'd be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. That'd be nice. I mean, I think that the most someone I've coached has gone from uh, 180000 to up to about $70 million a year. But I'd, I'd love to bust through the $100 million. That'd be great. It'd be, it'd be such a trip. I was, you know, to, to see this happening, to let people know about it. But more importantly, the lives that change. Is it true that if you uh, avoid the alcohol, you may live longer? It is true. What's more true is that if you avoid alcohol, you'll live better yep. longer. The quality of your life will be far superior. And you feel that a business owner will make better choices, potentially earn more income just from spending less on alcohol. I can say what I'm about to say with the utmost confidence because I've been supporting people since 2015 with this. And when I say people, I mean business owners, entrepreneurs, plus my own anecdotal evidence. Your current drinking habits, if you're drinking, let's say, one or two drinks a night, that's it. That's very innocent, right? Seemingly very innocent. There's every chance that those drinking habits are costing you millions and millions and millions of dollars in lost revenue opportunities. Here's why. If you're drinking, let's call it a couple drinks a night, maybe a dozen drinks a week, and you don't sleep just a little bit, you don't sleep too great, just a little bit, and that results in you being just a little bit foggy, and a little bit distracted and a little bit irritable during your work day the following day. Well, that means that you maybe don't make that additional call. You don't make that additional sales call. You don't fire that person. You procrastinate on that. You hire the wrong person because you're flustered and you're tired and you're etc. You don't give yourself time to think strategically about your business. You kind of just flown it in. You burn a relationship. You get angry with someone. Maybe, maybe in an extreme case, maybe, yeah, you burn a relationship. Yeah, or, or you, you, know, you mistreat a staff member and they leave, even though they were really valuable to the business. Exactly. I've worked with people who drink heavily Damn. and it's a train wreck, like absolute disaster. Disaster follows them. Always. <laughs> like night and day, like they have bursts of brilliance and mania. And then they just, it all crashes down. They just get depressed. They get overweight. They burn relationships. They sink into a hole and then it compounds on itself. They think they're escaping it with this coping mechanism, yeah. but that's just putting it to the side and they still have to face it eventually. There's so much procrastination that goes on with drinking. It's crazy. And it's not just procrastinating on doing something about your drinking. It's procrastinating on hiring someone, firing someone creating a new funnel, starting a new product range, having a challenging conversation with your wife or your husband. Just on that financial thing, I, I will suggest a, a link if that's all right, James, because I think it's pertinent to the listener and follower who I'm assuming are mostly entrepreneurs. If you really want to figure out what your drinking habits could be costing you, there's a little calculator that I put together. It's actually a scorecard. If you go to alcoholfreelifestyle.com slash scorecard, It'll ask you like seven or eight questions about your revenue, you know, with your current drinking habits, what your potential revenue could be without your drinking habits. 
and a few other questions, and it'll actually calculate how much revenue and income you're you're most likely leaving on the table as a result of drinking your attractively packaged poison every night. So it's a big wake up call for entrepreneurs because people who take it, often they come back with, wow, my drinking habits are costing me $200,000 a year or 50,000 or 2 million. And I had clients who've gone through this 90 day process and literally generate another quarter of a million dollars in income during the 90 days. There was one guy in particular, he was a real estate guy out of Boston, Massachusetts. And he said he did two additional deals in the 90 days that he was stopping drinking that he swears he wouldn't have done if he was drinking because he now had clarity and focus. And that revenue equated to a quarter of a million dollars. So the two more deals gave him $250,000 more money in his pocket during the 90 days that he stopped drinking because of the clarity, focus, and energy. So it's not so much the money that you spend on alcohol, it's the money that you do not generate because of the alcohol. And I imagine some people would avoid certain people who they feel exhibit bad behavior or unreliable or moody, etc. Yeah. I'm interested in just some tactics here. Like I can imagine someone listening to this, they're like, okay, well, yeah, I could try not drinking for a little while. So they go off to their first social function. They sit down at the table. Everyone's got their wine glass out and the waiter's coming around with a bottle and they're like, ah, okay. So they just crumble. They're like, I'll just have one. What strategies can people employ to be that person who's not drinking but not feel like they're sticking out or that they're socially unacceptable? Well, First thing is, you said they crumble. Like you said, oh, maybe they crumble at the fact that someone's coming around offering a drink and they're like, oh, man, I really want to have a drink, but I can't. And now I'm embarrassed as people are going to see me not drinking and I'm going to be ostracized and I'm not going to feel like I'm part of the thing. First of all, let's eliminate all of that nonsense. Okay. We just commit to having the most fun, being the most engaged person and confidently and with a smirk on our face almost confidently ordering soda water ice and a piece of lime or soda water and some cranberry or some mint or whatever. They've done a lot of neuroscience which shows that influence and persuasion is only 7% what you say. It's 93% how you say it. And how you say it is body language, facial expressions, hand gestures, tonality. So if I'll give you two scenarios here, right? Here's a scenario A and a scenario B. Scenario A the drinks come around, you're with a group of people, you're at networking, you say, here, you want a drink? And so you borrow your word, you crumble and you go, oh, oh no, I can't. I'm sorry, I'm doing this 90 day thing. I wish I could. Oh, I really wish I could, but I can't. No, you guys go ahead. Oh, I know it's okay. Now, what you're doing is, is that you're telling yourself unconsciously and consciously that under normal circumstances, you would choose this attractively packaged poison, but you can't because you're doing this little fun challenge. And so now you've got to white knuckle it, and now you're telling yourself and you're telling the social circle that you're in that you're a killjoy, that you're not fun to be around, and that not drinking equals no fun. Yep. Right? So that's what you're presenting to the world, right? Here's option B. Someone comes around, and they're offering these free drinks, tequila or beer. Come on, let's have a drink. Like, can I get you a drink? Yeah, I'd love a soda, water, ice, and a piece of lime. Thanks. And the waiter just goes, okay, sure, let me get it for you. And then your friends or the social network go, what, you're not drinking? And you go, oh yeah, I'm going to get blind on this soda water tonight. I'll tell you what, every drink you drink of your beer, I'll take a shot of soda water. Ha 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 ha. And have a little joke around it. Or you just say, oh no, I'm not drinking. Or actually, no, I haven't drunk in two years. I feel really good actually. I just decided I had enough and 
Yeah, not drinking. Cheers. And the way that you present that is just fun, lighthearted, confident. You're not apologizing. You're not like, oh, gee, shock, sorry, I wish I could. You're just like, yeah, I'm good. Oh, I haven't drunk in a while. I felt really good. I've lost about 10 pounds. I might go for, might, maybe I'll go for a year. Maybe I'll go for three months, see how I go. Now your friends or the social circle that you're in are not thinking that you're a killjoy. They're not thinking that you're depriving yourself of fun. And they're not thinking that you're depriving them of fun because nobody really cares that you're not drinking. They just care whether you're fun or not. That's it. Gotcha. Whether you're pleasant to be around. And if you're there going, oh, I wish I could drink, but I can't. And like cowering in the corner and retreating from conversation. It's very unappealing, isn't it? It's so unappealing. And I'm going to let you in on the biggest secret ever. Nobody really cares that you're not drinking Mm. because everyone's just thinking about themselves. And probably even the support staff, the waiters, right? In hospitality, they would be well conditioned with the fact that some people are not drinking alcohol and they won't push it, right? Nobody's pushed it on me. It was funny. I went to this event in Mexico City in November 2022, the Nomad Capitalist Conference. And I checked into this Mexico City hotel and literally there was like, because there were so many people trying to check in at once, there were these like five lines of about a dozen people in each line trying to check in. And these Mexican waiters were coming around with free tequilas. They're like, yeah, tequila, tequila, tequila. And uh, some people were taking them go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, gracias. Pero me gustaría agua con gas. It's like like soda water. And he's like, si, senor. And he just goes off around the corner, comes back a minute later, gives me the soda water with some ice. And I'm like, which is as gracias. And that was the end of it. Nobody cared. You could be that special one. When I go on my Maldive surf trip, on one of the trips I go, I go on two trips. Right? I have my own trip, which is mostly people like us, entrepreneurs, healthy, whatever. And then I go on another one, which is just surfers from a local community. And I just paid to be a customer on that one. And those, they're just normal people, right? They drink every night beers. One guy on that trip drank an average of 24 beers a night. Wow. They actually drank the place dry. And he was overweight, missing a lot of surf sessions and lamenting about his marriage and his business. Anyway, when the waiter comes around for the drinks orders, then he looks at me and he goes, uh, he says, mineral water. I said, yes. They know who you are and what your order is and there's no fuss anymore. But I didn't miss a single surf session. I was, I was out there in an empty lineup some mornings because they were all hungover. And uh, that's the way I like it. A lot of people mistakenly believe that drinking alcohol is the reward for something or the celebration of something. But you just demonstrated that you're rewarding yourself and celebrating life every morning you wake up and go for a surf. You're not hungover. You're feeling energetic and you're doing what you want to do. In this book, Not Fade Away, he's saying that as a youngster, as a hippie, they used to want to take drugs. But now that he has to take drugs, it, he said, the drugs take away the pain, but they dull your senses. And I thought, gosh, that's a lot like James Sonic's poison. You know, it's exactly the same. <laughs> James Sonic's poison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, should, I should rename my podcast from alcohol-free lifestyle to James Sonic's poison. <laughs> yeah, like a po- poison-free life. I think that's a very strong message. It's such a simple label. I mean, even from a hypnosis perspective, if you can replace an image of something with a negative thing, it's uh, you won't touch it, right? Once you get that. Yeah. So I know you've got all the toolkit for people who are interested in that. Alcoholfreelifestyle.com is your website. I appreciate you coming to share. I want to reinforce what you're saying, that one of the sleep doctors I had on my podcast said that the number one reason people get bad sleep is alcohol. 
It just it all stacks up. And my wish for this episode is that if you listen to this episode and you feel like you're having quite a few drinks, maybe dial it back a bit and then check in with me and tell me if this episode made an impact or a ripple in your life. And of course, if you want some professional help from that, that's where James steps in. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing the results of the study when it gets published and um, good luck to you. I love seeing people doing great things. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your support as being part of your community with your guidance and all the other members' guidance as well. It's been really instrumental in me getting that scientific study up and running candidly and pushing through with the business. So thank you as well. Love it. Always. I love working with people doing good things for humans. That's one of my core filters. So uh, you're one of the good guys. This is episode 992. We'll put links up to the scorecard, alcoholfreelifestyle.com forward slash scorecard. And James Swanick's uh, social media, which is brilliant, the, the Instagram. I love it. It's sort of my benchmark. I said to the team, this is where we want to be one day when we, when we grow up. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, James. Hey, so my podcast is coming up to episode 1000. And I'm wondering if you want to be a part of it. So my team have sent me this thing here. I sort of asked them to put together. What I want to hear about, if you've been listening to my podcast over any length of time, have you had a success from it? Have you had an insight from it? Did you have a favorite guest? Was there one soundbite you heard that had a big, profound impact in some way in your life or business? Do you just have any general comments or thoughts that you would like to share that will go out into this episode? So my team are collecting a couple of audios and videos. You could use Loom like I'm recording this on, or send audio if you prefer, or a private YouTube video, whatever. I'd be keen to get you to send some special memory of the podcast to my team. If you send it to support at jamesshramco.com, keep it short, please. Just keep it under a minute or two minutes. And we might be able to include that in the episode 1000 and uh, have a celebration around this uh, show. Thank you so much. This is James Schramko.